You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and he calls us to preach the word in season and out of season. We pray that as you listen, you'll be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. I'm really excited to look at dating with you guys because, um, yeah, I really believe that dating is a good thing and um, it's really um, exciting to explore something like this together. And so I want you to, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, and just from the outset, I just want to say I am no expert. I'm not the dating guru. Um, someone asked me before if this is something that I do often. There's no dating circuit. You don't kind of go around doing this kind of thing. Um, And actually, the funny thing is, a few of you have lived through all my previous um, dating relationships, so I can't even lie to you guys and say everything went really well and I was always the best boyfriend in the world, looking at Matt. Um, But recently, I've turned my mind more to dating because as a church, we have lots of different people of actually different ages that are thinking about dating. Um, Last week at our church, we did um, a seminar on singleness. And I realised that across culture, my church, we have people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, even in their 60s, uh, who are thinking about dating and relationships. And so I suspect that for many of us here, dating is something that's going to be constantly on our minds. Um, But I wonder, what comes to your mind when you hear this word, dating? Um, You might think of star-crossed lovers having a romantic candlelit dinner in a fancy restaurant. Maybe you think about a young couple watching a movie, holding hands, sharing a box of popcorn. Maybe you think now about swiping right, going on endless coffee catch-ups with people you're just meeting for the first time. You may have never dated before, you may have dated in the past, you may be thinking about dating in the future. Um, But even if dating isn't on the cards for you, this is why it matters. You might have friends or family who are dating, And there's people in your church, there's people here that are thinking about dating or who may date in the future. So we all need to understand God's perspective on dating because as a church family, we want to care and serve each other really well. So I'm I'm, I'm glad to be able to look at this with you because I believe dating is a good thing. I believe dating is a gift from God to help you discern the prospect of marriage in the future. Um, Proverbs 18 says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favour from the Lord. And so marriage is a gift from God, and that's what makes dating worthwhile. Um, so my definition of dating that, I'm, that we'll be working with today is this, that dating is two people intentionally discerning their suitability for marriage. Dating is two people intentionally discerning suitability for marriage. Um, I've dated three times in my life, All three were successful, not because I have three wives, but all three served the purpose of discernment. Um, But I remember when I first started dating, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Honestly, it was hard enough just finding someone I liked who liked me back. That was already a bit of a minor miracle. Do you guys get what I'm saying? (laughs) Wow, a bit too much there. But surely there's more to it than that, right? But the hard thing is that if you go looking for um, specific dating advice in the Bible, you're probably not going to find much. Um, 
I don't need to tell you, dating isn't a category that the, that's used in the Bible. It's, it's more of a, a recent Western cultural trend that became more of a thing in the early 20th century. Um, so back in the day, people didn't have this opportunity to discern and make a decision. Marriages were generally arranged, and that's still the case in many Eastern cultures today. So we know dating's definitely not the only way to find a spouse. Um, But we're left in this situation where dating is a reality in our world, but there's not heaps of guidance on it. Um, So if we're going to get some insight into what God might say about dating, well, we need to begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. Um, And so today we're going to look a bit at Ephesians 5. If you have your Bibles on um, your physical Bibles on, on your phones, um, open them to Ephesians 5. We'll look at um, from verse 22. Because if the purpose of dating is to discern marriage, then let's look at marriage first and then let's work backwards. Um, and in this passage, if you, if you look at Ephesians 5, you'll notice a lot of talk about submission, love, respect, sacrifice. Why are these such a big deal in marriage? Because firstly, marriage reflects the gospel. Uh, Paul says, verse 22, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of his church, his body, and is himself its saviour. I want you to see what Paul is doing here. Paul isn't being oppressive to women. Paul doesn't see women as inferior. That's not what he's saying at all. No, he's saying marriage is more than just a close relationship or a partnership but marriage reflects a much deeper spiritual reality. Paul says that marriage reflects our relationship with God. So the trust and submission of a a wife in marriage reflects our trust and submission to Christ, our Saviour. Paul then says, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And so the sacrificial love of a husband in marriage reflects Christ's love towards us on the cross. Just as Jesus laid down his life for us, so a husband must lay down his life for the good of his wife. See, God's vision for marriage isn't just a compatible couple. It's not just two best friends who love each other. But God designed marriage so that when you look at it, it would give you an insight into the gospel, what God is like, what he's done for us, how we relate to him. So first, marriage reflects the gospel, but not only that, marriage has a direction towards God, towards the gospel. Verse 26, Christ loved the church, he gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, that she might be holy and without blemish. This picture here refers to the end of time when we're made perfect, when we're holy and righteous with Christ in the new creation. That's where the gospel's taking us. God not just saving us from sin, but transforming us more into his image for that day. And then notice Paul says, verse 28, in the same way, husbands should love their wives. So marriage is more than just two people that put up living with each other. But marriage is now a commitment to grow each other in godliness and to prepare each other for that day. And so in marriage, you're you're called to love each other, but with a particular direction. 
We make decisions, we relate to each other in a way that grows our love for God and helps us grow in holiness. That's what we're committing to in marriage, that we now have a responsibility for the godliness of your spouse. So marriage reflects the gospel and it's directed towards growth in the gospel. So why am I saying all this? I mean, we're talking about dating. Uh, Well, because if we begin with the end in mind, if we have this big view of marriage, well, then hopefully dating makes a little bit more sense in light of that. And so with this in mind, um, today we're going to address two key questions. Who to date and how to date. Um, I wonder if you've uh, ever approached dating with a checklist in your mind of all these things that your partner needs to tick off. Um, I recently was watching season two of the Netflix reality show called Indian Matchmaking. Anyone watch it? Okay, just mark one in me. Yep. All right, sure. And let me tell you a bit about it, but this is where um, a matchmaker introduces two people that she thinks would be a good fit. Um, But before doing this, she asks each of them for a checklist of what they're looking for in a partner. And one of the girls in season two is called Viral. And this is Viral's checklist. Um, You'll see it there, that um, this is what (laughs) Viral's checklist is, Gujarati background, fluent. And as I look through this list, well, at least I can tick one of them off. I understand what it means to be an only child, because I'm an only child. I have a friend with a Gujarati background. That's That's the best I can do. But see, your checklist might not look exactly like this, might not look exactly like this, but I wonder what would be on your checklist. Well, this is where beginning with the end in mind actually helps clarify and simplify our list. Because according to Ephesians 5, these are the types of questions we should be asking instead. Um, So for the women, instead of asking whether this person is successful or ambitious enough, think about asking these questions instead. Is this person someone of good character who is serious about growing in godliness and... Are you willing to entrust yourself to him to lead you and guide you in godliness? And for the guys, instead of asking whether she's good-looking enough for you, what about asking these questions instead? Is this person someone of good character who's serious about growing in godliness? And are you willing to lay down your life for her and encourage her to grow into the fullness of Christ? See, more than career or status or humour, character is king, characters everything. What we've seen is marriage is primarily an exercise in godliness. Why? Because marriage reflects God and is directed towards God. Um, I'm not saying that uh, compatibility and that attraction don't matter. Of course, we're human. We, we all have different personalities. And so um, it's good for us in dating to work out whether we can get along, whether we can have good conversations and have fun together. But ultimately, it's your commitment that's going to hold a marriage together, that will hold a marriage through the hard times. And so the most important question you're asking is, can I and can they commit to living out a God-centered marriage? Of course, um, it goes without saying, I shouldn't have to say this, this is why Christians should only date Christians. Because if the goal of marriage is to display Christ's relationship with the church, If the goal of marriage is to grow each other towards Christ, well, 
You can't do that with someone that doesn't love Christ, yeah? It undermines the very purpose of why we do this. Okay, so having said all of this, when we think about who to date, um, the goal isn't, you know, to try and find the perfect person. After all, decent chance that we're not the perfect person either. But I'd be after someone who's humble. I'd be after someone who admits their imperfection and their need for God. Someone who's serious about growing more like Jesus and who would be invested in your growth as well. Why? Because we begin with the end in mind. Um, Right now, you might be thinking, saying all this sounds good, so easy. But where do you find people like this, yeah? Maybe you don't see a lot of people like this out there and um, we've seen with the rise of online dating, dating apps like Coffee Meets Bagel that help pair you up with someone who might be a suitable match. But let me encourage you to start looking where you are. Maybe not right now, but start looking where you are. (laughs) Who's already serving alongside you? Who's already living out godliness in your context? That's actually the best place to start, right? According to our definition. Um, One of my friends, uh, he'd been single for many years. He'd he'd dated a few people before, but they didn't work out. Um, And he was actually planning to go long-term mission overseas. And so finding someone here that shared that vision was actually really hard for him to find. But it was actually only when he went overseas on mission that he found his future spouse. Why? Because he found someone who was already doing what he wanted to do. She was already on the front lines. She was someone who shared the same commitments around the gospel and mission. And so why not start with the church? Why not look at the church? Who's already serving? Because if marriage is all about the gospel, then wouldn't it make sense to find them in the context where the gospel's already playing out in your life? Begin with the end in mind. Okay, so we've looked a little bit about who to date, but now let's look at how to date. Um, Ephesians 5 doesn't just show us what to look for, but it actually drives us to date well. Um, So first, we need to date in a way that shows that marriage is the goal. If the purpose of dating is to discern marriage, then that's primarily what we're trying to work out in dating. And so when we hang out, um, be intentional about the time that that we use together to learn about the other person. Ask questions that will help you progress in your discernment. Why not do things together that help you learn different sides to one another, serve together, have fun together, meet family and friends that will give you an insight on how they relate to others, people that are closest in their life? It doesn't mean that we need to bring up marriage and declare our undying love from the second we meet someone. But actually, from the outset, I think it's good that we want to be really clear about what the goal is here, which is to discern marriage. And so to do this, we need other people. We need to bring other people in, don't we? We need to bring others in for support and input. Proverbs 12 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. We deceive ourselves, don't we? Our hearts are deceitful. We need other people to write our hearts. And I want you to think about how do you make every other major decision in life? We ask people, people we love, people we trust, 
people who can ask the hard questions that can push us to make, making good decisions, why not with dating? Um, so if, you, if you're currently dating right now, why not talk to a couple who's already married and get their insights and, inv- and involve those who know you really well, whether it's parents, friends, ask them what they think. Give people permission to ask you tough questions. We're not saying that people need to be poking our noses into our relationship and telling you exactly what to do. No, we're not saying that. Not everyone needs to know the ins and outs. But you need to give permission to a few to be transparent with some people you trust. Um, Sometimes there's couples that start dating. I don't know if you've seen this. And when they start dating, you don't see them anymore. Yeah, okay, a few of you relate to that. (laughs) They become an island and all they do is spend time with each other. Of course, it's unloving, isn't it, to isolate people from others and your friends? It's unloving, but also remember, if dating is discernment, it must be done in the context of community. It must be done with people who know you and love you and want what's best for you. And right now, if you're someone who might be supporting a dating couple, can I just give you one um, piece of advice that I've learned the hard way over the years? That your way is not the only way. Um, Sometimes when we give advice to others, um, we can assume that the way that we did dating is the only way that we should date. Um, I remember someone telling me um, that when they met their future spouse, they just knew that they were the one from the moment they met. And so they asked me, do I feel the same feeling? No, (laughs) I've never felt that. But no, our, our experience isn't gospel, right? So, like, let's be careful to not overlay our own experiences as rules and expectations for others to follow. Okay, so if um, through this process of dating you get to the point where you'd love to get married, well, you can praise God for that. You can go in the confidence that you've gained wisdom, you've gained clarity through dating, you have the support of others. That's wonderful. Dating has served its purpose. You can go forward with a confidence that you can proceed towards marriage, great. And if you get to the point where you realize that you aren't suitable for each other, that's okay too. Remember, according to our definition, that's not failure. That is fulfilling the very purpose of dating. Dating that has marriage as its goal allows us to pursue each other with an open hand. It frees us to make wise decisions in either direction. Uh, When two of my friends um, ended um, a relationship last year, I was really sad. Um, I really wanted them to get married, probably more than they did. Everyone thought they would. I don't know if you've you've had these kind of things, but on paper they seemed perfect for each other. But what I appreciated was their maturity and, and their courage to say no. Not that it wasn't painful, not that they didn't grieve it, but they made the hard and wise decision not to continue. Why? Because they saw dating as discernment, which means it's okay if the relationship ends. They dated in a way that shows that marriage is the goal. One of the really sad things that I hear is, 
um, when people have been dating for years and years and years and they realize they're not suited for each other, but it's just been so long. And it just, you just feel too far in to, to break up. Isn't that so sad? Um, sometimes, you know, a relationship may hit this point where you kind of know you probably won't get married. Um, but it also seems like a really big step to break up as well. Um, but if you hit that point or you have hit that point, um, if you can't see yourself getting married to the person that you're dating, actually you owe it to them to end the relationship. That's what it means to be loving. That is honouring their God-given good desires for marriage. To keep going even when you know you won't get married is selfish. Now, we date in a way that shows that marriage is the goal. Um, I spoke to someone recently and, and they shared with me that they wanted their first relationship to be their last. That's a good desire. But man, that pressure is too much. Don't do that to yourself. If you go in with this expectation, then you're actually undermining the purpose of dating, which is discernment. Of course, we don't want to break up. But man, to say your first needs to be your last, that's just the pressure we don't need. Why? Because dating is discernment. Okay, lastly, let's date in a way that shows marriage is worth waiting for. Marriage is worth waiting for. Uh, Much of the world's approach to dating is to try before you buy, where couples might sleep together, see what it's like to live together before they get married. And there's, that might come with a certain level of commitment and stability. But in dating, remember, you can't actually fulfill God's purpose for marriage. In dating, there's no call for wives to submit and entrust their lives to their husbands for their good. In dating, there's no call for husbands to sacrificially lay down their lives for their wives. So we need to date in a way that shows that marriage is worth preserving, is worth honouring and worth waiting for. I think that means that we should only date when marriage is a realistic possibility in the not-too-distant future. Um, that's a, that sounds a bit vague, doesn't it? Um, but it's a question of practicality and maturity. Um, and so if marriage is actually realistically a long way down the track for you, maybe hold off for a while. Maybe hold off. Why we, we wait? Because God doesn't want to deny you pleasure or joy but we wait because marriage is beautiful. Marriage is precious. It is worth waiting for. Um, This approach might frustrate you, especially if marriage is realistically a long way off. But there's actually heaps that you can do now to prepare for dating in the future. Most importantly, growing our character, growing our humility to be someone who seeks to live out God's vision for marriage. Um, One of the difficulties uh, with dating is that as a relationship grows, so does our desire for everything marriage offers, like physical and emotional intimacy, like wanting to give ourselves fully to each other. These desires are are good. They might even indicate that the relationship's heading in a direction towards marriage. Um, But often it's at this point where we might find ourselves going further than what dating would allow. Um, Sometimes, I don't know if you've got this question, but I get the question, how far can you go physically during dating? How far is too far? But do you see, it's actually the wrong question. 
Because if we think about Ephesians 5 again, the question is not how close to sin can I get? The real question is how close to godliness can we get? Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 says, flee, flee from sexual immorality. Fleeing is, is not getting as close as I can without crossing the line. It's actually about running as hard as you can in the other direction. Remember this, part of discerning marriage is being able to trust the other person with your godliness and purity, which is the goal of Ephesians 5. So in your relationship, if you're constantly struggling to stay pure, well, actually, maybe that raises questions about your suitability for marriage. Because what we're doing is we're discerning whether that person would actually lead you into purity, that would actually lead you into godliness, not the other way around. Um, so my encouragement for you guys, if, 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 if you're in a relationship now, make clear boundaries early. Do it early. Have the conversation. Reach out to a friend who can support you with these boundaries. Because if dating is discernment, what we're after is clarity over intimacy. Clarity over intimacy. Um, having to wait for intimacy may seem pointless in our day and age. It might seem a bit archaic. But remember, actually the whole Christian life is one of waiting. We're waiting for Christ to return. We're waiting for Jesus to put all things right. And so this posture of waiting is fitting for marriage. It's, it's actually a beautiful enactment of the gospel. We're dating in a way that says no to what might be pleasurable now. Because the promises of the covenant of marriage are worth waiting for. And actually, in life, aren't we called to constantly say no to the temporary pleasures of sin now for the greater pleasure of knowing a God whose promises are always worth waiting for? Okay, I've said a lot of things, all right? And it might sound very simple, but it's definitely not easy. Um, for some of us, uh, you might look at your current relationship. Things may not be in the best spot. Things may not be going as well as you'd like. Uh, maybe as you look back and you reflect back on past relationships, you can, you can kind of see how past failures and, and, and sin even hurts you even now. And as I've taken this time to reflect back on my own dating experiences, I don't stack up that well either. I wish I'd done better. There's a lot of regret. And let's be real here that dating is a risk. It's always a risk choosing who to date, how to date. And with that, we're opening ourselves up to potential hurt, rejection. People will question the decisions that we make about who we choose to date. Let's be real here, we're going to make mistakes. We're not going to get things right all the time. And so just as we close, I, I, I think this is where... As a church community, we need to be a community of grace that is a safe spot for people to land through the ups and downs of dating. And so I want to encourage you, would you guys be a community that seeks to encourage people who are single, that seeks to encourage people looking for someone to date, not to make them feel embarrassed about that, not to make them feel ashamed of that, but actually to affirm these God-given desires for marriage and encourage it in a healthy way? And when things don't work out for people, when people break up, would you be a community that doesn't say, I told you so? Or remind them of their mistakes? 
but instead reminds them of the gospel, embraces them in friendship. Um, And maybe where there's been sexual sin or failure in the past, um, would we remind ourselves that we're not damaged goods, but that we've been washed, we've been sanctified, we've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Um, Because whether we're single or married or dating, Ephesians 5 shows us that we're actually all heading towards the same goal. We're all pilgrims on a, on a journey towards our future heavenly marriage and now we're called to love each other in grace and forgiveness in light of that day. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us in marriage a visible picture of Christ's love for us. Lord, help us to put off the pleasures of this world because your greater promises are worth waiting for. Lord, give us courage to make hard but wise decisions Help us to support each other well. Lord, as ultimately we're not living for earthly marriage, but for our heavenly marriage. In Jesus' name.